Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk with a former SWAT team leader and have an in-depth discussion on the practical application of clearing structures. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, what's going on, big guy? Oh, not much, buddy. Just got back. I had a little weekend in uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I know you uh, posted a picture to our Discord. <laughs> yeah, that was um, at uh, was at the Smithsonian at uh, Dulles Airport. They, they have a... Uh, this gentleman by the name of Udvar Hazi donated two big hangers to the Smithsonian when he passed away. And uh, um, they've got, I think that's the best air and space museum that there is. It's way better than the one that's in the main mall there in DC. But uh, yeah, I posted a picture of the Enola Gay, which uh, for those that don't know, dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. And uh, and uh, they have all kinds of cool stuff there. They got an SR-71 Blackbird, a Concorde, all kinds of military jets. They got... Uh, the last F-14 to have flown in actual combat and actually had shot down a MiG. That's cool. Yeah. They got space shell discoveries there. They got, got a lot of cool, cool planes there. And they're all like just hanging out in this yeah. hangar. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, you brought me up a nice box of ammo. I did. Yeah. yeah. From, our, so. from our friends over at Target. And uh, yeah. Well, speaking of that, when it comes to buying ammunition, you need to look for a product that's accurate, reliable, and if possible, reasonably priced. And that's exactly what New Republic Ammunition does from Target Sports USA. Checks all three of those boxes, and it comes in th- six popular calibers. Uh, be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at TargetSportsUSA.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases and makes you eligible for their truck giveaway. We've been saying the wrong date. Uh, it's actually going to be on October 14th. Uh, the reason why I that's was, the giveaway, but Prime Week. There we go. So the reason I've been saying September or, is because Prime Week is it's not Prime Week. We, we Prime Day. It's not even. It's Ammo Plus Day, right? Is that what they're actually calling yes, it? Yes, it is Ammo Plus Day. Yes. So it is Ammo Plus Day on uh, nine nineteen. Nine nineteen. Yes. Yeah. It'll always be nine nineteen. They yes. told us. Yes. So don't worry about the date. That's right. Ammo Plus Day will always be nine nineteen. Nine by nineteen. Nine by nineteen. It's kind of tricky. Um, so speaking of that, so uh, Ammo Plus Day, like we just said, is going to be on September nineteenth. There's going to be deals and going on with that. But when it comes to that October fourteenth, the truck giveaway, we have gotten some info on the truck. It is going to be another F one fifty. I actually did see a picture, and it is blue. Lifted. It's blue. It's lifted. It's got a nice tire and rim package on it. It's, it's nicer than sweet. last year's. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not a big fan of the, it's beautiful, but last year's was I think a black, gray, gray, and I like like those kind of colors, black and gray. So for me, yeah. I would prefer last year. I probably like the blue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I like those cool colors. Like, I'll, I'll show you a picture later. Yeah, I'm not it. sure if it's like that Ford blue. I think it's, I think it was a darker blue. Okay. We'll cool. look at it. Sounds like a cool color. Yeah. Either way, I would take it. I was going to say, free truck, (laughs) lifted, big tires. I'm taking it. I'm taking it, for (laughs) sure. So, guys, if you're out there and you're looking to support our show, uh, I'm really going to ask you to join our mailing list. Uh, You can go to thegunexperiment.com. You can join right there. And uh, it's really starting to catch some fire. We're getting a lot of of new followers. And 
we're starting to put out more stuff on there. So just so you know, if you sign up, you get uh, all the new episodes come out on there. You're going to get newsletters coming out on there. Those are already happening. Uh, we're very close to launching a, uh, a deal day where uh, once a week you'll get a, a page full of discounted deals uh, from various manufacturers. And uh, you don't have to go scour the internet. We're going to do that for you. Uh, so there's, you know, a lot of good, uh, benefits to be on the mailing list. We're going to drop some blogs on there once in a while. So lots of good content, lots of good stuff, uh, for you to check out. And all you gotta do is just subscribe to the mailing list and it'll keep you up to date on what's going on. So we're going to get into today's interview, but before we do, the interview is brought to you by Ridgeline Defense. Ridgeline is one of the nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real-world experience. Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low-visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your skills to the next level, you found your new training partner. Check them out at ridgelineshooting.com. And that brings us to the interview. Today's guest served in the U.S. Army for six years and was a police officer for over 25 years where he spent the bulk of his time in SWAT. While in SWAT, he held many positions, including instructor and team leader. In 2006, he started his training company, Taprack Tactical, which became his full-time job when he retired from law enforcement in 2018. Please welcome Bill Blowers to the show. Bill, how's it going? Going real good, man. How's it going with you guys? We're doing awesome. We uh, we made we made it through that part. <laughs> I kind of I, I want to see those uh, planes now, and I also want to lift a truck. Based yeah, on definitely. Well, I don't know if you know if you have ever done the the museums down in Washington D.C. It's it's the one at Dulles is always overlooked because you got to travel outside of D.C. to get it uh, to get to it. But uh, it's by far my favorite. I I honestly can spend like six hours there. It's it's an awesome place. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Bill, one of the things that I was, uh, had come across since researching, getting ready for you to come on the show today was I had read, a, an article that, you know, you, you had made a comment that you always saw yourself in law enforcement. I think the real word you used was what you always wanted to be a copper and, yep. uh, that you, you know, you were very passionate about shooting, you know, uh, since you were young. So what were some of the types of, uh, shooting you did when you were young and what, you know, what, what was it about them that kind of piqued your interest? So I, I, I'm not sure what article uh, you you you, uh, you read, but that is, if that's what was written, that is not correct. Oh, I, get we out! Not, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I wanted to be right. a copper from the time I was a little kid for sure, but I wasn't interested in shooting. Uh, I mean, we you know, the, the shotgun stuff, killed some birds, uh, that kind of a thing, plinked with some pistols, but um, definitely not a uh, you know a lot of background. In- firearms uh, prior to going into the into the army uh, my dad was a 32 year uh, army veteran and so i recall like that you know they, they would do uh you know like family get togethers barbecues that kind of thing and, and you know i remember shooting a belt fed with blanks and and that kind of crap but it wasn't you know it was nothing structured for sure okay that's interesting i gotta find this article it was uh maybe recoil wreck web uh, anyway I'll, I'll find it before before we're done talking and I'll, I'll quote it out but that is interesting you started teaching people when you were in the army right as you as you yeah. rose in rank then you started teaching people how to shoot so was it what was it about that that sort of made you feel like you because I, I assume that's something you could pass on right like you could be like nah I'm not going to teach anyone. Uh, not really I mean as you know so you, as I'm getting you know, some rank of, you know about the time I'm a, a E4 spec four and then got promoted to corporal um, not now you're in charge of people and so 
there's some expectation that the guys that you are in charge of, you are going to train them to do the job um, since you should have the experience and knowledge to be able to teach them some stuff. So it kind of started there. Uh, and then when I got promoted sergeant, uh, that that increased that, um, you know, exponentially because now I was in charge of more guys. Um, and so, I, you know, a chunk of it was it just kind of the rank kind of forced me to do that. Um, I, I recall early in my uh, in that process that I enjoyed teaching, um, you know, I'm just trying to pass on some information I learned. I, when I went in the Army, I kind of I jumped in with both uh, feet. I was a little bit hesitant to go in at first. I, I initially went to college, figured out that wasn't for me. And, and uh, when I made the decision to go in the Army, I remember sitting at the airport, but leaving for basic training. And I was kind of a, a dipshit. Um, yeah, up until that point, but but thinking to myself, nobody knows me where I'm going, right? I, I get to kind of redefine who I am and all of my past mistakes and stupid shit that I had pulled. Um, I, that kind of gets erased at this point, right? I get to I get to build a build a new bill, so to speak. Um, and so I remember arriving at Fort Knox and just thinking, I'm I'm going to do the best I can at this at this thing, right? It's, it doesn't matter if it's from in my head, it's a part time job. I'm just going to be as good as I can be at it. And so I, I did. I tried to immerse myself in, into being uh, good at my job, which was a scout. I used to say 19 Delta, which was my MOS, but then I heard a guy saying that I said I was in Delta Force, and I was like, <laughs> I never, that's not what I said. It's kind of like we told you, you know, your, the article you read, somehow that was mis, misinterpreted. Um, so, yeah, I just jumped into it deep, and and, uh, and so I think I was a pretty good soldier, uh, particularly at the time I got promoted sergeant, so I, I, I think I was performing very well, kind of had a good grasp on, on what my job was and the next level up, uh, and that just kind of led um, – to me teaching and then uh, on the firearm side of the house, you know, I've seen we're running rifle ranges and, and doing that kind of crap. Um, and so it just as an NCO, you kind of get thrust into some of those, uh, the safety positions and then the NCOIC. And then now I'm doing stuff with range control and checking out ranges and running demo ranges and other stuff. Um, and, and so it just was kind of a natural dovetail as a result of that. Well, I have a, I have a cousin who is similar to you in, in, in the sense of he grew up wanting to be a copy just from the day he could walk. And yeah. was there anything that like you can look back at that sort of you can say was the reason why you wanted to be a police officer? Or was it just uh, absolutely? It was the uh, uh, the original TV show SWAT, man. Okay, hmm. not not the, not the corny one that they got now. The the OG one, right? With that, the hats on backwards and the bread truck, and and you know they're they're carrying like big lengths of rope wrapped around them and, and stuff <laughs> like that. I was like, man, that is a bitching job right there. Look at <laughs> these guys having all kind of good times. So yeah, uh, uh, the, the TV interpretation of what a slot guy was is uh, definitely implanted in my head pretty early. And um, I think I wrote an essay about it in fourth grade. My mom still has it somewhere. If you guys want to read it, I can, I can pass that on to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> as long as it's truthful. I mean, I, before I let Mike go on, I, I did find the uh, the article. It was a uh, AR Bill Junkie. It was written back in 2019. I'll, I'll send it to you after. But uh, in one of the I, first... I remember that article, I, but I don't remember saying that. He must have mis misheard what I said. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. We, he quickly asked you a little bit about your early background and... Uh, in there, it just kind of quoted that, uh, you know, it talked about when you were in the army and, and teaching, um, you know, teaching younger shoulders, sh sh soldiers how to shoot. And, uh, it just, you know, it just made a comment that you had been really passionate about shooting since you were a little kid. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So, but anyway, uh, just so, uh, huh. I, 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 you know, I read it somewhere and I can prove it to you. That's all. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to call you a liar. I, 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 was, I thought it was, it, it, thought it was interesting. Well, however it happened, it eventually did take you into becoming an instructor. An instructor, and you know it's interesting because I I try to 
absorb as much as I can from different instructors, whether it be in person or, you know, obviously YouTube is a great resource. And I often feel that firearms instructors and, and actually the gun industry as a whole often work in absolutes. For instance, you know, how you would, uh, you know, do a mag, mag change and, uh, and, you know, and release the slide or how you hold a rifle or how you hold a pistol with proper grip or, you know, how to, how to work a um, pistol mounted light, right? And you're going to get people who they have their absolutes on how they think it should be done. So I've yep. long, I've long believed that if you take a course and someone is teaching you something that maybe someone else has said isn't the proper way, or they say that, you know, this you know, this is the way that I do it, that you owe that instructor the, at least the, uh, the credit of listening to their philosophy and trying to put it into practice and see, you know, see if you like it. Well, yep. that brings me to you. So you've been a, a proponent of shooters trying different techniques to see what works for them. Uh, can you elaborate on that philosophy and, and why you feel that's important? Because I think that's somewhat rare in this industry. Uh, so I think a, a portion of it is is the background as a copper. And, and, and you know, when I became a cop, um, I had shot pistols, fam fire in the army. And you know, like I said, when I was a kid plinking and, you know, just kind of messing around with my friends that had, uh, you know, their parents had handguns or they had handguns. And, and I kind of grew, grew up in the country out, uh, here in Washington. Um, but I remember, you know, I think to myself, there's there are very few things that I cannot fix as a cop. Um, you know, to, so if I do a poor investigation, as an example, I could write an addendum to that report and say, Hey, I screwed up. Here's the parts I screwed up. Here's how it really happened. Or here's what I should have done. Um, you know, please forgive me. And, and this is the actual accounting for what occurs. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and potentially a judge and or a prosecutor uh, could still get that, you know, get that into court. I could screw the same thing with evidence. I, you know, process it incorrectly or something uh, along those lines, I could write an addendum and explain, you know, I obviously wasn't no malice involved. I just, I screwed up. Here's how I did it. Here's what I did. Um, and, and this evidence is still valid. It's just, uh, you know, procedurally it was collected incorrectly. Um, uh, you know, a myriad of things that there's, I, I can get punched in the face uh, and fix that later on. If, if that's the only intent is you to, you know, hit, punch me in the nose kind of thing. If I suck at fighting, I'll probably get another chance if you weren't trying to kill me during that fight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and uh, the one thing very early that stuck in my head is there is no second chance if, if we go to guns. Um, and so I took that to heart and, and felt like I had a, a duty to, you know, the community that I have, I took an oath to protect and serve. And that means not shooting like a dipshit. <laughs> um, I think to my wife and my kids, I felt like, you know, that was a skill that had to be very refined to make sure I could, um, you know, come home at night, all that kind of horror stuff, uh, uh, shit that you hear. Um, and so I took it to heart and I, and I tried to shoot as much as I possibly could to really refine my ability with it, with a handgun, since that's the always gun. Um, I, I, same thing when I, I, I the, the job of police officer, um, is, is kind of a 24 seven thing. So as you start arresting people and, you know, you dealing with violent criminals and I, I, I never gave a shit about a traffic ticket. I became a cop because I wanted to arrest murderers and rapers and robbers and, and criminals that count. Um, and so you start arresting those fellows. And I mean, I'm, I lived, I live very close to where I worked. And so mm. I remember, you know, I would twice, I saw dudes that I had, arrested for serious crimes they had already been uh you know either released uh, you know waiting on, on trial or whatever the hell it is and, and i'm out by myself or with my family on one occasion i thought i got to carry a gun all the damn time <laughs> which is another thing right right um 
So I, I, I took that serious uh, at the agency that I retired from. Uh, there was there was a, obviously at the range staff. There were two stepping stones. The first was uh, you could apply for, uh, to be a range safety officer. Uh, you weren't teaching anything. You were just essentially um, you know turning targets on qualification days. You were a safety guy when we did you know in service training. So the instructor was running the class, but I was just there to make sure you know things were going smooth and nobody was doing something silly. Um, and then once you did that for a while, you could submit to be an instructor for the organization. Um, and so I, I obviously took that next step and, and became an instructor for the agency. And I think that that is the thing um, where my the reason why I am a guy that is a proponent of, man, try what works best for you uh, is because obviously the a police department and it, it, my PD was not that big, only 160 guys, but it's a, a, it was a diverse population of people. Some people didn't want to shoot at all. They thought the gun was the dumbest part of the job, right? They were there to help folks and, uh, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And, and if it wasn't required, they wouldn't carry a gun. So trying to teach that guy uh, is challenging in and of itself. It's not that he's not a good student. He just wasn't interested. Right. Um, you, you had guys that, well, you know, back, back in the day, right, in, in 72, they learned me how to do it this way. And so shut the hell up. So you got to teach that guy. And try and somehow open his eyes that perhaps the techniques he was taught early on are, are not are no longer the best techniques, uh, or maybe in his shooting career he has surpassed what he learned you know as a basic. Um, I personally I had a, a significant shoulder injury uh, was uh, right shoulder was was fucked up for six months, uh, and so during that time I came back on light duty and was doing stuff with the training unit and uh, and so I did a lot. I spent a whole lot of time doing uh, left hand only shooting which I think helped refine my ability to teach lefties and do some stuff. Mm. And then, I mean, you got, you know, I'm teaching small cops, big cops, you know, female cops, all this different stuff and, and trying to help them figure out how to shoot the gun. And it became obvious to me. Um, I mean, uh, you, you guys said you looked at some video and stuff. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a very, very large human being, right? I got huge mm. arms and forearms and shit. I, I mean, I, thanks for laughing at that. Um, but but my ability with a handgun may not be the same as the next guy. Uh, trying to show my wife as an example how I how I hold the gun is not going to work for her. So I got yeah. Well, one of the things that you had said specifically was uh, in this video that I was watching was you were talking about holding a a rifle. In this case, it was an AR-15, and you start off showing like what I think most people would refer to as a kind of like a C grip, kind of like you know arm extended all the way out or most most of the way out. And you said, but yep. you know, the internet says holding it all the way up by the magwell is not really, is, is not, not the proper way to do it. Um, but try yep. it. Right. And then you do it and you go, this doesn't work for me. I can see the, you know, the muzzles rising and, and I'm, and I'm losing my dot. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing all of this obviously, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but I remember like a long time ago, uh, I believe it was, he was a, he, he was an instructor. Um, I think his, experience was uh, prior military, uh, something in, might've been like Marine recon. And he was talking about how, you know, extending the arm all the way out on the AR, that that's great, you know? But if like, you know, if you're holding on, holding on someone, someone or something, or you're, you know, you're, you're holding for a long time and that arm starts to get tired, you know, it might seem awful attractive to kind of pull that arm in and just kind of hold on to that magwell and keep those arms nice and tight for a little while. And that stuck with me. The idea that like, Every situation is different. Every, you know, every person is different. Every person's built different, different, yep. like you said, different physical abilities and inabilities. So I just, I, first off, I want to commend you because I think it's very open-minded. Uh, I don't think we see that a lot of times in the industry in terms of uh, 
giving people sort of a little bit of leeway of, hey, this doesn't work for me or this doesn't work for the majority of people, but maybe it'll work for you and and I, have at it. I, I thought of when when you both were talking here, I thought of, you know, someone who might live in New York and have a bolt lock on their AR. And the only way around that is to hold down the bolt lock while they pull the trigger semi-automatic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you that's go. not a conventional way to hold a rifle, but you know, it, uh, it works. Uh, necessary to based. Yeah. Yeah. Necessary based on the restriction, man. So right. I, I think the other thing too is, uh, so I've been to, I am very fortunate. I worked for a, a, an agency and on a team that had uh, fairly extensive budgets and they were, they were very much into providing training and making sure that we were as good as we could be and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I have been to a lot of classes from a lot of different guys in, uh, in, in probably a bunch of names that you and, and the listeners have have heard of before and and all of those guys shot very well and and a thing that i started to notice was well guy a says hold it way out there at the end by the muzzle and he's shooting like a champ i mean he's terry he's, he's shooting lights out right i'm like oh, oh my goodness look at this stuff i want to i want to be as good as this guy right so i try his thing and it's working and then i go to instructor b and he goes nah 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 try it back here and he's <laughs> shooting the lights out and tearing it up so uh, you know pretty obvious to me they all work it depends on how much effort you put into it and the potential is some body mechanics and, and just how a guy is built man yeah um and so when you start getting a, you know a class a diverse class you i i think teaching one thing is is kind of dumb to be honest with you it's just i let's show a couple of different ways and then for me the proof i always say this right proof is in the pudding man what is your dot doing under recoil and what is the effect on target and, and those should be telling you exactly what you want, yeah, uh, yeah what you want to be using. I, I remember teaching a, a recently a pistol class, um, and it, it was the, the draw, right? And I thought, here's a couple different methods. And, uh, you know, this, I said, just try it, man. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to waste, you know, five, ten rounds to, to try something different. So try it. Right. So this guy tries it, and he goes, um, he goes I, I like that. And I said, okay, well, let's put it on the shot timer, and let's test it. To, uh, compared to what you've been doing, right? Because that's the next step. If the shot timer don't lie, if one is faster and, and more efficient, then then that's also a thing you should be considering. And so we did, and he, uh, the, this other method was faster for him. Um, but he said, "Well, that, it, that, that don't feel as good." And I was like, "Okay, well, you know, uh, do what you want to do, man." But okay. you, I mean, exactly. yeah, we you've just demonstrated to me that it's better, <laughs> right? And you're not even good at it yet, so. Imagine when you practice that, how much better you'll be. Uh, but I think it's just one of them things. He was like, well, this is how I've always done it. And, and he was shooting good. It wasn't like he was terrible or anything. And he just was unwilling to learn a new trick. And I think sometimes that affliction <laughs> hits people as well. So I'm trying yeah. to demonstrate to them, man, try some stuff. Man, see what happens. I, I, get, I guess that half a second just wasn't important to him, you know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> For some fellows, it ain't. Well, some yeah. fellows, it ain't. I mean, I – so – there is always room for more training, right? Like anyone in this industry or, you know, really, I I think it goes for any industry or any job that you're doing. You have to be willing to continue to learn. Right. I, I, I think most trainers would say that I'm sure as you you just agreed. Um, And I think I I believe based on my time with this podcast and, and based on talking to a lot of different people that more and more people are taking training classes, you know, with their firearms and they're taking it more seriously. So that's great news, right? But yeah. yet we hear very little of that in any Second Amendment conversation, you know, pro-gun, anti-gun. You know, we always hear about how private citizens, you know, shouldn't have this or should be restricted to this. But why do you think all of this good training gets overlooked? Why do you think it's not talked about more? I mean, 
Uh, you know, you have a long career in, in law enforcement, and I'm sure you're seeing civilians train harder than some of your law enforcement peers are. No doubt. So why do you think that gets overlooked in that argument or that discussion point? Like, I think that a problem, there's a couple of things that are problematic here. Um, Number one, this is a country of 330 million people, right? Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of those people don't do any shooting at all. Sure. I mean, what, 200 million, 230 million? Two thirds. Don't shoot, or is that the don't number shoot. you got don't, to sit? Don't shoot. Don't, don't, yeah, I mean, so yeah. uh, you know, two. What are you? Two thirds of the country does, doesn't yeah. know anything about guns other than what they see on TV. Uh, of the remainder that do that, what what does that mean, right? Um, yeah. So I mean, I talked about it early as a kid, right? We plinked, I, and I, I, yep. my my good friend, his dad was a you know country guy, and he had a like a I don't remember exactly, but you know, it was a, it was a cowboy type handgun. You know what I mean? And so we're shooting cans. They had a, uh, you know, so a lot of property in the, in a big hill as a backstop. So we put cans up on the fence and we would shoot them. And I remember to this day, I remember him telling me how to shoot a, a pistol good. And that info sucked. <laughs> well, may- maybe that's it, right? Maybe even though there's a hundred million, you know, people that do shoot, you know, maybe I'm just used to being around the small percentage of that hundred million people that do train a lot. You're, you know? you're deeper exactly. into it than a lot of people are. Yeah. I shouldn't say a exactly. lot of people. I don't know the number, but like there are a lot of gun owners. I would have to believe who own a gun and it just sits in a box. Somewhere. No, I think, yeah. I think that's true. I guess I just, I do feel, and, and Bill, it sounds like you agree that there are more and more people who are interested in training yeah. each year. So it's a growing number. Definitely. Right. But maybe it's yep. just not grown enough to where it gets the attention it deserves. I think what really needs to be highlighted, and when we say this, obviously, to some extent, we're talking about I hate it, mainstream media. We're talking about you know the powers that I was be trying that, not to go there. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but where I, where I am going with this is what the message should be: is look at all these responsible gun owners yeah. and what they're doing. Let's get more people to do that. Yeah. Instead of these other methods of sort of, you know, gun control, gun disarmament, all this other stuff. Hey, look at how responsible these people are. You know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you have people who drink and drive, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, the, of all the drivers, there's, there are a good, there's a segment that drinks and drives. But we don't, we go, look, these are all responsible people. Let's have you be more like them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I, Bill, I don't know if you can back me up here a little bit from your experience in law enforcement, but we've been reading a lot of articles and I, I know we're going to be talking about it in a couple of upcoming episodes uh, or, and we've certainly talked about it in the past, but the prosecution level of these gun crimes is low, you know, like people yeah, that actually absolutely. do things. So I, maybe, maybe that's all part <laughs> of it too. You know, like if, if we just prosecuted the actual crimes that are committed w- with regard to firearms there'd be less firearm violence i don't know uh, yeah <laughs> so here, I, that, that went down thing, a really right? big rabbit hole i didn't intend <laughs> uh, for it to kind of uh, but yeah i mean so you you guys are are uh, you are definitely immersed in, into the gun industry gun culture the training side of the house all that kind of stuff i i do agree that there are that people are starting to become more aware that there is better training out there than uncle fester taking <laughs> the range one day, yeah, right? yeah shooting uh, coffee cans and, and i think shotgun. Should, yeah I, we all hate social media, but we love it as well, right? And I, and I think a big benefit of social media, and what's p- potentially grabbing some folks, 
uh, is the fact that, I mean, I can, you can go into Instagram or Facebook and, and find videos of guys absolutely tearing it the hell up with, with guns, right? And yeah. you're like, good Lord, yeah. look what those guys are capable of doing. And then that may motivate the guy that got taught by uncle Fester that maybe he doesn't know what, what, you know, exactly what he thinks he knows type of thing. I think Instagram, um, I, I agree. Instagram, YouTube, I think that definitely has a big part of that is like, wow, look, look at all the cool stuff that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. As long it's, as it's inviting, huge. you know, as long as it's inviting and gets people interested in it, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's a double edged sword though. Um, because I, I personally know guys that have, they have put out valuable info, but it's contrary to what uncle Fester taught. And now you got the troll jumping in and, and, making life tough for this guy when he's just putting out some info, man, right? You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to do it. It's just info. Um, and so I, I, sometimes, you know, we talk about the gun community. Um, and sometimes I feel like it's not much of a community because everybody's just wanting to bash on guys that may be doing something different. Than what <laughs> yeah, they're doing. Well, yeah. You know, if it was truly a community, why don't you just, okay, I'm watching, I'm watching your guys's video on, on how to do something. Yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't have to get on there and go, well, you guys are dipshits. Mike, Mike says that all yeah. the time. You know, we're sometimes this community is our own worst enemy. Well, I'll give you, I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to go here, but since we're here, so I, I did a bonehead thing the other day. Um, you, I, you put a 40 caliber in your 45? <laughs> no, that, that's something you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking credit for that one. Uh, no, I, so I, I started doing a new, um, a new rifle build and I've never, I've personally never dealt with uh, cantilever mounts and I never dealt with an LP, uh, LPVO before. I've, I've worked with red dots, but never an LPVO. And okay. so I, I kind of did these three Instagram posts. One was the mount, one was the the LPVO, and then one was them together mounted on a rifle. And it, it was kind of like, hey guys, what do you think of it? Like all put together. One gentleman reached out to me privately. He was very nice, but he didn't get to me soon enough. And I got tore up because I, I was trying to get proper eye relief when I mounted it and I was having trouble. Yep. And I mounted it as far forward as I could. And it wound up being on the, off of the receiver and onto the actual like, rail. On, yeah, on the rail. And, yeah. and man, I got tore up. And then after thinking about it, right? Like it makes sense. Like it's the more stable part. It's the, it's the part that doesn't have vibration in it. But I was like, man, the one guy was so nice to reach out to me and say, Hey, like, you know, you, this is why you'd want to do that. And I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. I've never mounted this, but man, some people were like, man, I hope he's trolling us. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, and and I and I said to this is why I do no social media. Right? I, I I said to to someone that I, I work with in some social media stuff. I said, you know what? I said it's good. It got them talking. It got people like yeah, commenting. Well, that's and, a positive way to look at and it. And I was like, whatever. Like, I, you know, I have thick skin. It's fine. And like, you know, I obviously changed course and I and I mounted it properly. And, Did you post a picture of it mounted properly? I didn't. I just <laughs> I, I'm gonna let them keep talking about how how bad it looks. But my my point is is like. Man, people like are like unrelenting. Like, I mean, they will just tear you apart. Well, that's just how we've become. And that's, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, again, we're yeah. down this rabbit hole now, but that's the downside of the social media. Like, it's so easy to be a dickhead. Right. It's so easy to right. just be a shitball. Right, you know? right, right. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like you, you have a perfect opportunity to help somebody, but instead you act like a shitball. That's yeah, exactly because, it. because like in real life, you would think twice because the guy is bigger than you or you just don't know. Like maybe right. you Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't know. You know, like it's just... Just, you would think twice. You grew up. To you would think also just be more polite. Well, because you're in person. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, like, I agree. Well, I'm sorry. So, moving on from this, uh, you know, <laughs> we said earlier that you spent so much time and in SWAT as a team leader, and uh, in that time, you were tasked with obviously making difficult decisions that were supposed to accomplish a mission, all while keeping your guys safe. And I'm assuming following department SOPs. So, 
what is some advice you would give other men out there that are looking to be competent leaders in their day-to-day lives? And and that could be, you know, uh, law enforcement. That could be just maybe they're a, a leader in a corporate setting, or it could even be a leader within their own community or family. So, I mean, that that is an open-ended question for you, but what are some leadership uh, pieces of advice you might share? Man, so I, I teach a team leader class, and every time that I book that, I always think, who the hell am I to be talking about this topic? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of just winged it. Um, yeah, That's probably I why you the, should be teaching it, because you're asking yourself that question. <laughs> there, there, there is an old quote that I like, and it said, those who seek leadership the most are seldom suited for it. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the, what's the motivation for it? And even in the team leader class, I tell guys all the time, this is the worst job ever, right? You guys are dumbasses that you accepted <laughs> this job, right? You should have stayed as just, you know, a, a guy making entry. Um, and so I think my time in the military, for sure, I, I got, I was fortunate. Um, I got a, uh, <clears throat> the unit I was assigned to in Germany, and this is prior to the wall come down. I'm old as shit. Um uh, but that, they had a the I think a, the longest standing uh, real world mission since World War II, which was border security. You know what I mean? And so um, you, you know, protecting democracy from the from the commie horde type of shit. And so mm-hmm. I remember getting uh, sent to that unit. I'd been uh, been in, so, uh, in the army for a couple of years at that point. Uh, but around in Germany and and the unit that I was in previously, uh, previously was an op four unit and just very, in my opinion now, right, very low standards. Just didn't really know a lot of shit. Um, and so I remember getting assigned to that unit and uh, just by luck ended up on uh, on a vehicle with a, with a guy that I thought was probably one of the best uh, leaders and NCOs I ever saw. Um, and so you, why did I think that, right? And so as you start getting into leadership position yourself, you know, why did I think so highly of this guy? And, and the answer was pretty freaking obvious, man. He was extremely proficient in the job that he had signed up to do. Um, I don't recall ever him saying, I don't know the answer type of thing. Uh, I do know that if he would have said that, he would have said, I don't know, but I'll, I'll find out and help you, right, and, and, and figure out what it is. Uh, but I couldn't stump him. The, the guy seemed to know everything about everything. Um, I don't recall him ever getting lost. Uh, I don't recall him ever, you know, just just very, very proficient at the thing. And so he was actually living the, the lead by example, um, you know, mantra, uh, you know, the PT was good, all, all that stuff that, that you can measure as a soldier was good. And, and so I guess that was one of the first things. Um, as I became an NCO in the army, I tried to do that same stuff, right. And, and, and be that guy. Um, and so that of course requires effort and, and stuff to, to be good at leadership. Um, and so, you know, trying to look at guys and emulate the guys that I thought were good uh, leaders and, and not do the stuff that the bad leaders were doing, um, became a copper. I became a team leader before I got promoted to sergeant on my team rank don't matter. Um, and so, uh, I was a team leader for uh, quite a while before I got promoted to the actual rank of sergeant, and it didn't it didn't matter on the team. So there were sergeants that were subservient to me because I was a team leader on the mission, and and they were not. You know, I mean, they were just a dude on the team. And so um, I, I think the leading by example piece is huge, right? Do do the stuff that you're saying the guy should be doing. The the that whole rules for for thee and not for me is bullshit. Bill, um, quick question: as a leader. I'm sure as a leader, you made mistakes because it's, you're hey, a human and that, and that happens, right? Do yep, you, yep. do you think that a competent leader, that a good quality leader, maybe not right away in the moment, but at some point when mistakes are made or when, you know, maybe you snap at a guy, maybe, maybe you take, you know, you have a bit, having a bad day, you take it out on, on one of your guys. Do you think that a good leader 
apologizes or recognizes the mistake. Of course. Yeah, because I'm Man. big on that, but of I know course. so many people who are quote unquote leaders and they cannot do it. That's shit, in my opinion, right? I am not perfect. And I, the, the minute I do that to somebody, I, I've lost them. They'll, they'll never respect me again, right? Yeah. They, they know I was wrong and what they said is right. And I, and I somehow divert it or, you know, dig my heels in and continue down the bad path. I mean, that, that, there's no doubt. It's, you, have, you have screwed up as a leader, man. And, and so I think that that is the thing. Um, I, so simple shit here, right? Uh, and going into the team leader class a little bit, I, I tell the guys all the time, my objective, my goal was to be a top 10% man in everything that the team measured. So on the, the gun side of the house, I was shooting at the top 10% of the guys on the team. Uh, we measured physical fitness. So I was going to be a top 10% guy in PT, no matter what. Um, on the CQB side of the house, the building clearing side of the house, I wanted my decisions to be right 90% of the time, right? Scoring a good solid A in there because I got to give myself some room for mistakes because everybody's a human. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and, and so that we, I, there were guys on my team that could outshoot me, but not 90% of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. There were guys that, that could out PT the shit out of me, but not 90% of them sons of bitches. I, and if that happened, I'll, I'll tell you, I'd be in the gym every minute uh, for the next week, trying to make sure that I'm getting my, my shit together. Uh, and then mistakes I think are, are fine. Um, you know, it's that old shit. Don't make the same mistake twice. Right. So I think the guys were willing to accept that I am human and and I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, and then as long as I learn from it and then didn't do the same dumb shit again, then then there's no problem. You know what I mean? Um, I tell the team leaders all the time, do you, and I give them examples. It's funny. You ask, you know, admit when you're wrong type of shit. And that, that my team leader class is not me talking about my successes. It's all of my mistakes. Right. So learn vicariously through me. Right. Um, but I would tell him, right, we, I, I'm planning a job and the dudes come in and we brief for it and then go out and hit and, and then come back. And now we're going to debrief. I know where I made mistakes. Does that make sense? I'm not a yeah. dumbass. I, I, I can tell how, what mistakes were made. The, the briefing was shit. Maybe my approach route was terrible. Um, the execution of the uh, of how we were going to implement the thing was, was shoddy. Um, you name it, right? A million things that could have gone, gone wrong. I know what I did wrong. And so do the guys. They're not dipshits yeah. either. And so I would start debriefs, every debrief by saying, here are the things that I screwed up. Right. And I would put them out there. Right. And now I also got to be smart to realize that. I mean, I'm sure you guys have to have this thing where you, you do something. And then right after you go, well, that was stupid. <laughs> yep. Is that ever happened to you? Or you just, oh, yeah. somebody just put 40 in a 45, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was dumb. <laughs> right. And so, right. Dumb as, dumb as shit. Right. It's just a stupid. What the hell? That was dumb as hell kind of a thing. Uh, and, and so I, there have been times where I have made mistakes, but didn't recognize that I had made a mistake. You, you with me here? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm trying to put it out there. Here's all the things that I know I did wrong. But then if a guy said, well, you know, you, you did this too. Uh, if the minute he says, if he's like, I, I don't even know what happened. I got to say, you're right, man. I, it, it, that You are correct. That was a mistake and won't happen again type of shit. Um, and, and I think those things are huge, right? Just staying humble and, and yeah. Uh, you know, I, the, 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 I always said this to guys, right? The, the team leader position, position is a privilege or a position of privilege, but it's not a privileged position, meaning I am here because you guys think I am the best guy for the job. So the minute you don't think I'm the best guy for the job anymore, just tell me and I will happily fucking resign rather than stick around here 
and have you guys hating me because I'm not doing the fucking job. Right. So, uh, you know, I, it's as simple as that. Now, with that being said, um, the guy, I, um, at least when, when I became a team leader, the team was, you would vote, right? There was, if there was an opening, the team would vote who is the best man for the job. And uh, the commanders would review that decision, obviously. And ultimately the chiefs, I was a, it was a regional SWAT team. The chiefs could say, nah, nah, Blowers, he's an asshole or Blowers <laughs> is, you know, he's a subject of internal investigation. So we're not going to let him t- take that position now. Um, but the, but no, the vote never was denied, right? So whatever the vote was, that was the guys that became the TLs. And so I think the other thing is just feeling the sense of responsibility to the guys. They put me in that position. They expect right. certain things from me and I'll be goddamn if I'm going to let them down. So I took it serious and, you know, tried very hard to not just hone my, my hard skills with shooting and, and, you know, you know, work in a house and stuff. But I also spent a lot of time reading, man. And I've, I've been saying this one for a long time, leaders are readers. And the reading I was doing was of course on tactics and other shit, but it was also on leadership right? because I have to learn how to be a good leader. Right. So I'm going to go find examples and hear what they have to say about it and process that information. The same as if I came to your pistol class, like you, I would do everything you asked me to do in your pistol class because I would want to try it. I want to see why you think those things are important. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a really humble attitude. You know, it's a, that's everything you're saying is uh, the things that I would look for. You know, if I, if I was hiring a, someone to, to be a leader on my team, the, the things you're saying, that humble attitude, I think is is often overlooked by people who want to be leaders, but natural leaders and good leaders realize yeah. that that humble attitude is very necessary. So- what are a couple of your uh, favorite leader books? Uh, off the top of my head, I, uh, so, well, the, with your listenership, probably not so much. Uh, uh, George no. W. Bush's book, I thought was very good. Um, whether you liked his policies or him as a person, I'm, I don't care about any of that shit. I want to know what he thinks about leadership. And, and reading the book, I, there, he had tough decisions to make during his time as president. And, I agree. Uh, I think it, his decision-making process, um, which he explains in detail in that book, I thought was sound, even if I didn't agree with the decision. I, you know what I mean? He detailed why he made the decision. Interesting. And I can certainly go, okay, I can understand how he got there, even though I disagree with that. Do decision. you listen to so, Jocko Willink at all? I do. Yeah, um, he's a moron great. not to. I think it's a great. Yeah, it's great. Um, so that one, uh, Leadership in the Shadows by Kyle Lamb is a great book. Um my, the OG one is uh, still good today or to this day. And I read it uh, over and over again. And that is uh, leadership and training the, for the fight by Paul Howe, um, which is a great book. Um, I, you know, Paul, uh, there's one thing out of that book that I think changed a lot of my perspective And it. Like Paul, have you guys read that book? No. no. So at the beginning uh, of each chapter, he, the, he, he puts, it's a thing that occurred in his career, right? So he tells you, here's what happened. And then the chapter expands on how, what's were the leadership lessons within that thing. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. And so I think he, had, I think it was the invasion of Panama, but I haven't read in a while. So don't quote me on that, but they're, they're landing guys onto rooftops um, as part of the, uh, of the assault. And one of the assault elements had, there were lights on the rooftop, right? So as they let, they come off the helo and now they're being illuminated at nighttime by these lights. So somebody made the decision, let's, let's shoot them out, right? Let's, let's, let's cut the lights out with bullets and, and just kill them. So we're not going to get machine gunned to death up here. So that rooftop team begins to shoot out the lights. Well, another rooftop team sees and hears the gunfire and they're within visual range. And so one of those guys fires at his own mates thinking it's mm. bad guys. And, and luckily he misses, right? So it could have been a, a horrible day with blue on blue. And thank God he was a bad shot, huh? 
right? So the, he was not in the top ninety percent. <laughs> well, so at the end of this, though, Paul Howe's like, okay, I have a leadership dilemma now, right? Do I counsel him for failing to properly identify his threat, or do I counsel him for missing? <laughs> because, but uh, think about that for a second, yeah, right? They're, if they're, he they believed both need that to be was addressed. the enemy. <laughs> Yeah, if he believed it was the enemy, then he should have been making hits. Right. Um, and I think the, sometimes that perspective is lost, that there's two sides of this coin. Now, thank God he missed, but right. still he's in a job where he's supposed to hit. Right, yeah. um, right. Very you know, point. and I think that, well, so that's I guess a great you address book. both of those issues. You know, uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would yeah they like need to be you know? Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. So with all of with all your experience as you know SWAT team lead and and you know what over fifteen hundred missions, uh, yeah. you know, I I I want to hear uh, one or two stories of your most memorable missions, uh, you know, or hostage rescue situations, <laughs> you know, you know, obviously leave out whatever you need to leave out, but uh, I'm curious. So I've I've written a few of these up on Facebook, and I I try to stay away from. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tell stories in the class and, and my safety brief. Some guys may, 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 they might get bored with it. And other guys have told me it's the best part of the class. Um, and just lessons learned about, you know, the shootouts and, and what occurred and how it occurred. And, and kind of the same thing we were just talking about with how, right? Where you're like, you know, I, I have knocked on wood. I, I, I've had some close calls, but never had a, a friend and teammate killed um, on an operation. So that's good. Uh, but there, there were some close calls and, and what were the lessons learned from that stuff? Um, but mainly I talk about the funny shit that you end up seeing. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I tell you, I, we served Warren. One of the, there was a, a flashbang was going to get chucked. So the dude chucked, it was in an apartment uh, building. And right, right as you step in the front door, they have the bifolding doors and, and behind that's the washer and dryer. You know what I mean? It's just kind of right there in your face. And and I always remind people that you, bad guy houses don't look like your house. They are not <laughs> well kept and you know, everything tidy. Um, so anyway, the, the bang goes in, it lands in the dryer, right? Oh. On, and it just <laughs> sits on top of the, of the lint thing. You know what I mean? The little yeah, lint screen. Yeah, yep. And that's where it initiates. So the instantly it catches the, the goddamn lint on fire. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, whatever, we still got to, we still, you know, we can't stop. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I got a fire, but I'll deal with that in a second. I got, you know, I got lethal concerns, not fire concerns at this point. That, that's second <laughs> on the list. So let's finish this thing. And so I remember dudes coming up to me and they're like, hey, hey, Bill, this bitch is on fire. And like, I, and there's smoke everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm like, I know, man, keep clear. Right. So finish that part first. So they finish it up, get this dude wrapped up and, uh, and, and he goes to jail. Right. So uh, off he goes. And at that time I was teaching for the state tax association and, and kind of had a, uh, I don't know what the right word is. I had people knew of, of me in the state of Washington for the SWAT stuff. Right. And so this is months later, but I get contacted and say, hey, we, um, we have a case and we're looking for an uh, a, 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 a expert in SWAT operations. Um, is that something that you can do? And, and my department farmed me out to do that shit when I was active. So, yeah, I can do it. And they go, OK, we'll send the case over. And it's this case. Right. Well, the guy is claiming um, that the, you know, the raid was was invalid. And we didn't have a warrant and we didn't knock and announce. And he's got all these he's gripes. Right. But I remember the case. Uh, and so I contact the prosecutor and say, Hey man, just so you know, and I'm, I'm being sequestered as the, on the, as the expert on, witness, the part of the, as an expert witness for the defendant, not the prosecution. <laughs> and, I, so I call the prosecutor. I say, Hey man, just so you know, I, I was on this raid. I started right? that fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, I was not the DD guy, but I said, I was on the raid, man. I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I, 
I, I should be the guy. And so he notifies this dude who, by the way, is going to defend himself. Oh, um, smart which move. Is a, a, ba- a bad move. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this guy says, that's perfect. He's exactly who I want. So I come in <laughs> as an expert witness for the defense. So I hit the stand. And then, for whatever reason, this guy referred himself in the third person. His last name was Shazad. And so he hits me with interrogatories, you know, tell who, what's your name? Where do you work? What do you do? All, you know, the normal shit to, to let a jury know who the hell you are, kind of a dealio. And so I hit him up uh, on that. And and then the judge says, you know, I've reviewed my 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 record, basically, and and Officer Blower should be, you know, should be viewed as an expert witness in SWAT operations and blah, blah, blah. And so the dude says, uh, isn't it true that this warrant was invalid? And I'm like, no, right? Is That is not true. The warrant was valid. It was signed by a superior court judge, blah, blah, blah. So we're going on. And I was, he gets to a point where he's like, the, uh, the, the, the flashbang gave me cancer. <laughs> and, and so and, and that's a question for me, right? Like, am I, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? I ain't a doctor. I don't know, you know, right. how this cancer started. And so I, I lean in the mic and I look at the jury and I go, no, it didn't, right? Because they that they don't do that. That's not what they do. Um, and, and so he yells, yes, it did. And so I say it again, no, it didn't. And we go back and forth like Bugs Bunny and, and Daffy Duck on hunting season, you know, rabbit season, duck season. And the judge finally goes, God damn it. <laughs> he didn't say God damn. He said, all right, enough. The flashbang didn't cause cancer. There's no, you know, he has no medical report saying that that is the case. So let's move the hell on. So I, I'm laughing about this. And so the guy asked me, he goes, what was your commission for the arrest of Mr. Shazad? And I was like, what the hell is he asking me? Did you, you know, get like, a bonus for arresting him? Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's like, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I, you know, I said, I don't understand the question. What, what exactly are you asking me? And he, so he asked it the same way. And I said, well, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm on salary and uh, specific to this, I was on overtime because it was a day off and I got called in. So I, I got paid overtime and the guy yells out. I mean, he yells it right. Liar. It says here you are a commissioned officer. What was your commission for the arrest of Mr. Shabzad? And I swear to God, the judge slapped his face, right, and did the whole face drag thing up on the stand. He's like, and then he said, Jesus, a commission means he is a commissioned police officer. He doesn't get commissions for arrest. And there thinking, are more I than I one did. definition of that word. <laughs> right. right. So I just dumb shit. I mean, there's yeah. so much dumb shit. Well, like I have that, to tell right? you, we're here in New York. And if that, was, if that had happened in New York and you had uh, – your guys had set fire to the dryer with the lint trap. Uh, they would have sued for a new dryer and they probably would have won. <laughs> True. <laughs> that, that's how we roll out here in New York. So, so uh, yeah. So almost all damage um, in this case, it was an apartment, right? He didn't own the washer and dryer. So, and we, I think we broke his door down as well. Um, and in almost all cases, the, the, the apartment complex or the third party owner will file a claim and, and it's usually cheaper. Just pay it versus try to fight him in court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do the same shit. So when I was reading about you, it, it seems that you have a, a decent amount of experience with hostage negotiations. And uh, I don't know where you got that shit, dude, because I don't really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't do anything. I don't do any negotiating. We had negotiators that did negotiate. Really? I Oh, my God. There's some bad articles about you. I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send that to you. Well, what are what are some of the basic de-escalation yeah, know, just, just as an officer, what are some some good de-escalation tactics in general that we can use? You know, man, I, I think so. It, it, I remember as a young man, right, and, and like a lot of young men, you got the testosterone flowing, flowing through the through the blood, and uh, you know any slight was clearly a, an assault on my manhood, right? That cannot be. I cannot let that go. Right? We, we <laughs> that 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 has to be confronted. You, you know what I mean? Um, and as a cop, I remember, you know, instantly people, you know, fuck you and 
you know, lick my balls, cop, and all this kind of shit. And, and that, you know, the stuff that a dude would say to you at a bar that might prompt a fist fight, I can't do that anymore. You, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I think a big thing um, is just de-escalation starts with you, man. What? Why are you offended by this? Why is this, what, anything this guy is saying, you know, why does that bother you? Yeah, and it shouldn't because who knows why this situation that I'm in with him, I don't know I don't know what this guy's life is like. You know what I mean? And and everybody's got sad tales from their life of different things. Family members dying or being terminally ill or, you know, financially you're in a shit spot or you just got fired that day or whatever the hell it is. So he may not be taking it out on me at all. He's just, he's just pissed at the world at this point. I could have walked up and tried to give him a gold bar and he would have been mad. I wasn't trying to give him two, you know what I'm saying? Right. right. And so uh, some of that stuff, man, it's just, you know, it, it, whatever, whatever you say to me doesn't bother me anymore. Right. And it's just, uh, so I think that's the first thing is what, what could be bothering this dude versus just your, your presence. Um, I think another thing, one of my early FTOs, he's dead now, a guy named Mike Wada. Um, but Mike asked me, you know, how, how, and I, you know, young copper, I'm trying to arrest everybody under the sun because that's my job and this and that. And uh, I remember talking some shit, you know, about whatever number of arrests or some damn thing. And he goes, well, how many people do you think you arrested, you know, last month that I, whatever the fuck the number was. And he goes, that is absolutely not true. And I was like, the fuck it ain't right. I'll, I'll, pull, <laughs> I'll pull my reports right now. And he goes, you were, you didn't arrest anybody. The citizens of this city did. And you were the vessel that, that made that happen on their behalf. Uh, little, little humbling think, message. Yeah. I was like, eh, I, I see where you're going and, and he's <laughs> absolutely right. So, uh, you know what I mean? It's a, uh, there's a lot of bad tongue on cops now and shit like that. And I know it's probably very frustrating for guys that are still working. Um, I, I retired right before, uh, you know, George Floyd and, 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 and all of that mess that came along with it. Um, but, but man, just keep it in perspective, right? I, I don't know what's going on with this guy's life. I, I, I am just a dude trying to do a job on behalf of the citizens of the city, county, state I work for. <clears throat> and with that in mind, nothing I, that you can say to me is personal. So that's the, the, the first thing, right? Just, it's just whatever, man. Yeah. You know, I, I tell guys all the time, I've never used force angry. <clears throat> and that's absolutely true. And, I'm, and it's probably one of the things I'm, I'm proudest of in my career. I, 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 I have never used force because I was pissed. Right. Yeah. And really, and, and this is more obviously on a civilian side of things, but when, when things get sort of escalated in terms of like a heated argument or a disagreement, in many cases, in many cases, right, you don't know what that person's capable of. Do they have a gun? Yeah. Do they have a knife? Do they, you know, are, are, are they willing to, to go to jail? You know, like I'm not yep. willing to go to jail. Maybe they are, right? Maybe they've yep. been there and it's not a big deal for them. Right. So you have to really think like, is this worth it? You know, is it, is it really worth it or is it just ego? And so it, yeah, that, that's yeah. kind of, kind of, I will tell you if I, yeah, it ain't it. Cause it's not worth it. Right. So even if, you know, here, here comes a, you know, whatever the, it, 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 for sake of argument, it's a guy that shouldn't have a gator mouth, right. He's, he's, he's got no fighting skill. He's got no physical strength. He's got nothing but a big goddamn mouth. You with me here? Yep. And, and he wants to press this thing. If I stay there and continue to listen to him, they, so that's my first thing, right? Just break contact. Hey, man, you're right. I apologize. Have a good day. Because you're never going to see this dude again. What 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 variable in your life is, is he – there's going to be nothing in your life that includes this guy after this right. thing is over with. You know what I mean? Right. That's true. But so – so, so now the dude touches me and I return fire, right? And and I deliver a good one and I knock him out cold and he 
goes out and hits his head on the curb and dies from a brain, yep. a, a brain bleed. I'm going to prison. Yep. I'm going to prison for that. Right. Yep. And so was it worth it now? Yep. A hundred percent. And I, I don't think and it's none of that is worth it. Right. And I, I think sometimes guys confuse that as well. You know, if you're just, I'm not saying don't be ready. Right. I take PT very seriously. I mean, I'm 57 years old now. I'm still in, in, in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, throw the hands. I'm obviously working the guns and all that. I am prepared and ready to handle myself, regardless of what the situation is. But I ain't looking for it. And if I can, if I can just leave, then that's what I'm going to do, yeah. man. It's just, yep. I, and I, I could, my wife says I'm weird, uh, and, and I'm sure I am in a lot of ways. But I, I literally will forget about that incident in 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 one second. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because I don't care. You, you, you know what I mean? It's just it's. Yeah, and maybe just because I've had enough guys in the back of my seat, uh, car telling me how what they're going to do to my wife and do to my <laughs> kids, and you know, he was like, "Okay, whatever, dude, keep yeah. you know bumping." It never came true, so of, obviously it didn't matter. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> so it's just yeah, I don't know. So we're going to move on to some other parts of the show, but before we do, uh, you want to give uh, your handles or where people can find you? Sure. Um, so I'm on uh, Instagram as Taprack Tactical, all one word. Uh, Facebook. There is a tap rack tactical page, but it was hacked. And so I, the stuff I put on Instagram, I can link to the business page, but I can't, I can't do anything with it once it's sitting there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So I also have the Bill Blowers page and that's spelled like flowers with a B, um, which is where I do most of the interaction stuff. And then my website's uh, www.tap-rack.com. Um, there's an email button on there, uh, and then a phone number as well. Uh, so maybe a bunch of different ways you can hit me up. So messaging on, on social media and, or going to the website. Cool. So uh, I want to get us yeah. to run and gun, but before we do that, I want to talk about our friends over at fourpatriots.com. Four Patriots provides long lasting and delicious food options that are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. Keith and I have personally put the food through taste testing and we are really impressed. It's delicious, nutritious, came at a great price and uh, we were really happy with it. And that's why we decided to work with them. So head on over to fourpatriots.com. Make sure that when you, when the time comes, your family's prepared for the worst and be sure you get yourself 10% off with anything you order uh, with our discount code gun experiment 10. And with that, we are now at run and gun. So Bill, we talked about earlier, it's 10 questions, rapid fire. It is timed. Give us the first thing that comes to your mind. You All good right. with that? Yeah, well, we'll see. This sounds dangerous. But <laughs> well, you got to be marked. That's your goal. At least your goal. So, so here <laughs> is, we go. Is it the to total time? Is that what the is that the score? Yeah. Or? To yep. Just okay. time. Just total time. Yep. So here we go. Uh, no yep. Number one. What is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, Walter Q5 steel frame. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Ooh. Oh, a Thompson. If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Uh, George Patton. Favorite caliber? <laughs> five, five, six. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Fishing. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or armed or trained? Oh, trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? <laughs> uh, whew, that's a tough one, man. By name. By name. You want the guy's name. Yeah. John Rambo. Let's mix it up. Oof. 
he he did beat Mark. But uh, it was, all right, <laughs> but it was that last question really cost him some time. Almost uh, almost ten seconds. So you know the the last question's hard because there's a lot of dudes that I would put in that category. So I was thinking, well, if I say this guy, then this fellow's going to be like, hey, what the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> well, shit, so. what you did well was it didn't we didn't specify it had to be like a real person. So Rambo is <laughs> yeah. completely appropriate. Yeah, like, that's exactly. exactly. Um, so one one minute three seconds. Point two three, and Mark was one oh six sixty seven. So Mark Smith gave right. us. If those that don't that are listening, Mark was on the show obviously before uh, Bill, and that's how we we got Bill on the show. So uh, you can call and and you can uh, rub it in because these are major bragging rights here. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'm a GM in the uh, in the lightning round. There, I, there I won't go. tell you what the record is. <laughs> oh. So I'm, yeah. I'm not the record holder. I just beat Mark. You just beat Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're going to do Let's Mix It Up. Uh, before we get to that, Let's Mix It Up is brought to you by Flatline Fiber Co. Flatline makes everything from slings to dump pouches to their brand new IFAC pouch, uh, which is the best name ever, The Pimp. We recently did a thorough review of it, and it was super impressive. It carries everything we needed, small, manageable size, and I highly recommend checking out all their handmade products at flatlinefiberco.com. But to get an even better deal, make sure you use our discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. He does make good stuff, by the way. Yeah, he's all, Chad's awesome. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's been on the show many times at this point, and his stuff is is top quality. So, Yep. Um, so, all right, let's mix it up. So we are going to take an in-depth look at the practical application of clearing structures or room clearing. And so where this sort of thought came to my mind is, We'll go back a little ways. We, we've talked about it on the show many times, and the idea that uh, having a sort of home defense plan is very important. Or um, an onion, as yeah, Michael calls that's it. That's right. So my, my tactical onion, my layers of security, <laughs> uh, my wife and I have a plan. Part of that plan is uh, our first sort of line of defense is, uh, is an alarm system. So if that thing goes off, we know it's time to go into action. And I've always said that if I'm in the middle of the night, we're sleeping and that thing goes off, my wife knows she's going to grab the kids, bring them to one room, and then we have an action plan to kind of go go through. And so yep. I've always said, I'm not le- my house, when we built it, I said, I want everybody on one floor. I want everybody on the top floor. And if someone's coming to get us, they're coming up the stairs, and, and, you know, and I'll deal with that. So I've always told my wife, we're not going downstairs. You know, we're, we're staying upstairs, and, and, and we'll let the, the police come and, and take care of what's going on downstairs. So that's always been my philosophy. Uh, that's not to say that I haven't walked through my home before, uh, quote unquote, clearing, but I don't think it's generally a good idea. And then you, I, I saw some stuff that you presented that were really, really uh, thought provoking on where you may have to or where it, may, where it may be your best option to actually clear structure or clear rooms. So I, I kind of wanted to go into what those scenarios are and then sort of your, your best practices and what you, what you would recommend people do. So I, I am uh, completely in line with what you said. Um, and it's the, the, the house that my kids, I think all of my kids were little in, um, in that, it was whatever, in that house, uh, like you, we were all upstairs. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I'm a copper and a, and a swap man and all that kind of shit. And, and I had the exact same plan. I am going, no one's, I'm going to defend the stairs. You can steal everything downstairs. You can do whatever you want down there. Don't come up here, um, you know, or, or, or we are, we are going to have us a fight. And you're basically creating so, somewhat of a fatal funnel at that point, correct? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I got high ground. I mean, you're in a debt. It is a fatal funnel, right? So if you try to come up the stairs, I, I have a pretty distinct advantage uh, just on the on knowing the terrain inside the house, uh, not to mention, you know, the, the the training and other stuff that comes along with that as well. Uh, so that you know made perfect sense to me. Uh, we move into a house where the master is downstairs and all of the kids' rooms are upstairs. Um, and so uh, I think my daughter was still in elementary at that time. Uh, but it, from my master bedroom door, it was probably, shit, I don't know, 30 feet to the landing or to the entrance to the stairs to go up, which is where all the kids were. And so I remember thinking to myself, that plan don't work anymore, right? My wife and I cannot barricade here in the master closet and, you know, hey, kids, good luck up there type of shit. Um, and so I thought, well, what, how does the plan change then, right? And I thought if I hear the, the bump in the night, if I hear the alarm, if I hear my, my, I've always had dogs, if my dogs are losing their shit, um, I am going to move to the base of those stairs. And that's not a great spot in that house. There's a lot of uh, angles of exposure if I stay there uh, type of thing, but I have to get there to prevent somebody from getting upstairs. And so that was kind of the, my first thought of, well, depending on the circumstances, I may have to transition into more of a, uh, a hostage rescue kind of mindset where I'm going to be moving aggressively to get to a certain spot. Um, with that, uh, I thought, okay, so I get to the spot, right? I'm feeling good. I can defend the master bedroom um, where my wife is. I can defend upstairs now. You know, you got to go through me to get to the kids type of thing. And then I thought, well, what if I got there late? Um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the guy, you know, busted in the back slider, which was close to that stairs. Uh, he could potentially be upstairs already. And now the reverse of my old house is in place where he has the high ground and that, that you know, the tactical advantage being up at the top of the stairs. Am, am I going to move up the stairs or, or what happens at this point? Right. And so. Uh, and this was kind of a dilemma in my head. Uh, you know, do I go into, uh, and I said, I'm not a negotiator, right. But I, 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 I do, I, do I spend time negotiating now at the bottom? Say, hey man, don't hurt the kids. You can have anything in the house, you know, that kind of shit. And, and I realized, um, personally that that was not an option for me. I'm not going to let him do what he wants with my children while I stand downstairs and, and beg him to right. please be cooperative. Um, and so I am going to aggressively move up the stairs, um, and regardless of what happens on the way, I, I, I have to, I have to win that fight. That you have to sense? be on the offense in that case. Yeah. And so in both those scenarios, moving to the bottom and moving to the top, I am now offensive in nature. Um, and so that was kind of an, you know, I guess in my head and thinking about what the internet had always told me and what home defense and, you know, that kind of stuff on the civilian side that I was paying attention to, cause I'm, I'm a dad and a husband, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm a lot of stuff, not just a cop. And, I got to remember that I got two different jobs, right? One when the blue suit is on and one when the blue suit ain't on. Right. Um, and so what is the best thing for the family? Uh, and I remember thinking that that doesn't play well in this scenario. So um, I was also a longtime graveyard guy uh, working night shift. Uh, and so I, I, coming home, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm kind of just thinking about shit. And I, I remember thinking, well, you know, if I get home right now and the door is kicked in, can I can what I stop I gonna, you really quick before you yeah, get to yeah this? for sure because I know I know where you're going with this so I just want to kind of put a put a uh, some closure on the last point yep. so uh, obviously and, and and I don't know every listener's uh, sort of situation and and I and I can't know every situation but uh, speaking to the idea of people being on one floor the top floor um, that's my situation Keith that's your situation I think right correct so uh, in Keith's house I know like you have 
what I would call like a distinctive fatal funnel. Like they have yeah. to walk between two walls to get up and like- so A very long, steep staircase. Yeah, and and you're in a really good situation. My situation is um, my bedroom's sort of like strewn across the stairs and there's like a like an open walkway, like almost like a catwalk. Yeah. And so what I've said to my wife, and again, this is for the listeners and, and Bill, you can chime in. But what I've always said is like, I'll sort of cover the stairs while, you know, hon, you go and, and grab the kids. And then if she can get them back into the master bedroom while I'm covering, right? Like, so that then now they're all kind of behind me. But um, my vantage point down my stairs is actually sort of oriented towards my son's room. So there's a couple of angles that are very, very important. I have to know exactly how, you know, at what point would I be shooting where I'd be above um, the floor where he could be potentially standing on? So just some some food for thought for people out there that you really do have to think through these things. Even if you're like, hey, I have the high ground, it's not always just the high ground. There's angles, there's, there's a lot of things to consider in terms of moving parts. For sure. Don't disagree with that at all, man. So, okay, so now you come home, door's Night kicked shift. in, door's and... Yeah, door kicked away. in, and for whatever the hell reason, um, right? Obviously, I didn't get a phone call from the local cops saying, hey, man, your your house was busted into, so I don't know what the situation here is. Um, and so some video, there were videos that had come, but I, I did this video for Surefire. Um, some videos had come out. Uh, a, a good friend of mine um, works at Surefire, and, and he is a, I call him all of the time and just talking about stuff um, because I think he's just a smart guy. Um, doesn't necessarily have a background that would, you know, impress uh, the internet type of thing. Um, but that don't mean he's a dumbass. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, I hit him with some stuff and we're talking about a couple of these videos that had come out at a certain time. And, and I hit him with this concept and just said, Hey man, I, you know, I've thought about that. And what I am going to do is I am going to clear my house as if it's a hostage rescue. I must find the hostages. In this case, it might be my family. Um, the, the fact that the door may have been standing kicked open for the last five hours is unknown to me. I mean, I don't know when it got kicked open. So it may have been kicked open a minute ago and I just happened to be arriving at right, right after it got kicked in. Uh, the second thing is uh, most guys will tell you that a slow clear is going to be better. It's safer, all this kind of stuff. I, I would say that any one man clear is unsafe just by its nature. Uh, and so you're going to already accepting some risk. And I think the other reason that I want the fast clear to occur is if the bad guy kicked the door down five hours ago and he has come inside and hurt my family, but they aren't dead yet time is clicking away while I slow clear the house, where if I get get there, I might be able to save them through medical. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And so, and so in my head, it just kind of all started to come together that it makes sense that I'm going to clear this house as fast as I can and get to the areas where I would expect that I would find my family. Does that make sense? If they've been hurt. Well, that, or so that was kind of my question. So you, you when you say clear it as fast as you can, you know, obviously taking into some consideration, uh, a methodology of clearing it. Right. But no o- doubt, but almost start with where they would be. <laughs> kind of it depends if you can get there. Right. So the, right. in the video, I'm not in my house. Uh, we used a, a, a guy's house. I won't name him obviously because he probably doesn't want his name out there since his house sure. video. But, uh, I, I mean, I remember doing a walk through through his house. We arrived, I walked through it real quick, like, and I said, okay, but I think I could you know, clear this right. And so there's be, normal uh, a common scenario at the front door as an example and then 
I, I made mention in that video that, um, you know, I'm assuming I parked in the driveway and I'm going to walk in and, you know, use the key and come inside to go to sleep after my, my shift or whatever the hell. Uh, and that house, that was the best door because it was also a corner fed door and it made the house very linear to clear. If if I parked in his garage, right, if, um, if you know, hit, the, hit the garage door opener, went in the garage door that I am coming in in the middle of the house. And, and now I have a left and right decision to make mm. um, and cover. And so the front door was just the easiest way to clear that house and, and be able to maintain cover to the front. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so entered it and, you know, I talked about uh, the stairs just happened to be right there in that house. It was a very open floor plan. I said, you know, I'm not from right here. I can't see anybody in the kitchen. I can't see anybody in the dining room. Um, you know, nothing is leading me to believe that they are in this area. And based on the time of day, meaning early morning, they should have been in their rooms uh, asleep. I am going to I am not going to go into those rooms individually and full clear them. I'm going to did a visual and now I'm done. I'm moving upstairs. Uh, yeah. That was kind of my question was, you know, when, when you're clearing rooms and not that I'm, I'm by no means an expert in this, but when you're clearing rooms, you're going in, you're looking, I'm, I'm assuming you're looking, making sure no one's behind doors. You're looking in closets. You're, but like you, you don't have time for all of that in this situation. You're talking, this is kind of like a very quick clearing situation, correct? Absolutely. Right. And so the, the, the correlation to this would be uh, on a, in my job, if I know that everybody is in the master bedroom of the house, as an example, and the decision is made uh, to, to enter uh, and try to save the hostages life, uh, a team is going directly to the master bedroom, almost like active shooter, where they're trying to find the shooter. They're going to bypass classrooms and other stuff and go to the sounds or things that are indicating where that bad guy is located. You got me on that? Yeah. Are, are you... <laughs> In these, like we've t- we've joked about this on the show a couple times before, my house uh, at night is a completely dark, abandoned house. I don't like a single light on in my house at night. So yep. you come home at night and there's no lights on. Are you flipping lights on or no, are you using no. a, are you using a light a flashlight? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Going, that that would make and sense. coming out. Pistols coming out. And because I'm, you I'm, you I, I, the argument that I give to this is you know your house. You know exactly. where the couches you know where you know the end table is like that's an advantage to you so if you can right yeah i i know where every angle of exposure is for every door right so i know if i take this next step i'm going to be exposed to one two three four five angles of exposure yeah so if you're if you're using light on light off to move through your house you're getting a little bit of cover and darkness and you know still able to clear a room but you are making a great point, and that is, it is your house, right? right? And so that, that video, what you know, I talked about what I, I would do, and you know, I go to the kids' rooms are first up the stairs in that house, so I'm going to clear the, you know, I know how it's laid out. They had a Jack and Jill bathroom, clear my corner, moving into the, the bathroom, clearing the next kids' room, not there, I'm, I'm heading out, you know what I mean, type of shit, and, and just talking my way through it. Yeah. And I think that so I got some hate mail, of course. You know, hey, you're you're a dipshit, right? You're going to get killed and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, that was that was first like, cool, question man. I said to you about, you know, the, the community is unforgiving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was like, cool, man, if you disagree, then do you do what you do. Right. For me, the, the, I, remember who we're talking about here, right. Yeah. And what value do they have in your life? And for me, that is all of the value. My whole life is dedicated Correct. to my family. Um, so, so we had a guest on uh, very recently, uh, it goes, by, I don't know if you know him or not, but it goes by the name of David Acosta Jr. And one of the questions that we had talked about with him was the idea that, uh, sort of the scenario of like the alarm goes off and, you know, 
I had said I've had a couple of false alarms where, uh, you know, time went on and, and after a while it was like, this is not a, a, a activate police response kind of a thing. Like it was a, you know, the Keys wind kept coming in, going yeah. through a layer of the onion. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The wind knocked a door or whatever. And you know, there was no noise. No one was rattling around. There was, I had given it enough time to be like, I feel comfortable that this is not a person. It's, it's a false alarm, but I did not feel comfortable enough in just going back to bed. I'm like, I'm going to go walk through the house and, and yep. just check just to be sure. And yep. I did quote unquote, clear my house. You know, I did go right. down with my pistol and I did, you know, cl- kind of clear the house. But, and, but slow, I would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very slow, yeah. very methodical, like checking yeah. behind doors, checking, you know, yep. and turning Perfect on lights and rooms and stuff. But yep. uh, I have to say, in. I have to say, and uh, I give guys like you that, you know, are door kickers a lot of credit because knowing that it was probably a false alarm, knowing it's my own house, knowing all the angles, it was a little nerve wracking. Like, mm-hmm. what if I turn the corner and there's just a guy there? You know, like I was like, holy shit, like this is, and I got a, a loaded gun in my hand and, you know, obviously finger off the trigger, but I'm like the whole time I'm like, God, like don't like pop around off in your house. You know, <laughs> it, it was a very nerve wracking sort of experience, I have to say. So I can't imagine when you're actually up against it, how nerve wracking it must be. It, it, you know, man, it's, uh, that was my, the, the philosophy behind that, right? I, I think that you would be remiss in saying, I'm only me, well, I'm going to go to my master bedroom closet and, and barricade there. That's a great plan. It's probably going to be good for the 90 plus percent of the scenarios you got. Um, but, but I think at some point you might end, I mean, you, the one you just mentioned, I've had that exact thing, right? Alarm or my dumb dog is barking like a fool. And I'm like, what in the you know hell is going on type of shit? It just happened a week ago, and I mean, I'm out to bed with a gun in my hand instantly, um, and implementing the plan. Right? Let's, right. you know, let's let's move, kind of shit. I don't, I don't know what the hell he's been. And it was the same thing. I was like, what is this dipshit barking at? And there's obviously nobody in the house because he's not doing anything other than just making a racket. And there's a goddamn raccoon on my porch. Right. <laughs> so, I, but that's a really go that's see. a really good point though because like your dog is barking. Like, does that mean you call the police every time your dog barks? Like, of course not. That that's ludicrous, no. right? That's that's crazy. Yeah. But but you also need to make sure you can put your head on the pillow and 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 close your eyes and feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. We've talked about this before, Keith, like having sort of a plan of like how you would clear your own house and and knowing, you know, some basic principles and, and things like that. So, um, you know, with that said, you know, uh, Bill, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and hanging out with us. You, you've got a lot of varied experiences that have allowed us to, broach topics that have never really been discussed on our show before. And, and I, and I appreciate that. Uh, we're always looking to make ourselves and our listeners better protectors and ultimately better humans. And our conversation today has definitely contributed to that goal. And for that, I'm very grateful. So thank you. You're welcome, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. And to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and discord so we can keep the conversation going.